All right. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say amen? I'm on a mission this month, and my mission for this month is to get you all ready for next month. I'm on a mission. So I want to say to you, if you're here today and you're new and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I apologize to you in advance because this month I'm going to be focusing on the church, on believers, on people who already know Jesus, but I love you. Next month I got a series for you that's going to blow you away, a six-week series that starts on the first Sunday in March, and it's called Jesus Unknown. Jesus Unknown. And it's going to take us from the first Sunday in March all the way up to Easter Sunday. Very excited about that. I encourage you to bring your friends who don't know Jesus for that series, not just for Easter Sunday. I want to talk to the church today. Because if we are not ready for what God is getting ready to do, we're going to miss it. It's going to pass us by. Luke chapter 11, verse 23, just one verse today. Well, I'll talk about a number of verses, but this is the, the one I want you to actually hone in on, zero in on. Luke eleven twenty-three. he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. What we see in this passage of scripture is that there's really two levels of engagement with Jesus. First level of engagement is accepting him as Lord and Savior. Very first thing he says, if if you're not with me, you're against me. And literally what he's saying is that there's no such thing as being passive towards Jesus. You're either with him or you're against him. You've either accepted him or you've rejected him. And if you have not accepted him yet, you have rejected him. He's offered you his life for your sins, and you've said, no, thank you. That is rejection. You've rejected Jesus. If you're not with him, you're against him. There's no such thing as being neutral. There's no Jesus-neutral person in the world. There's no Jesus-neutral state of being. That's the first thing he says is that you're either with me or you're not. You're either for me or you're not. You've either accepted me or you haven't. And if you haven't, you've rejected me. And if you're not with me, you're against me. Now, what's the sign that you've accepted Jesus Christ? Well, the first sign that you've accepted Jesus Christ is hunger for the things that Jesus brings. The first sign that you've accepted Jesus Christ is that you've become a spiritual consumer. Now, I know the word consumer is not a good word in the church. And whenever you hear us preachers talk about consumerism, it's a bad thing. But actually, I want to say today that it is initially a good thing. Jesus says in in John chapter 7, on that last and great day of the feast, let him who is thirsty come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, I'm looking for the thirsty. I'm looking for the consumers. I'm looking for the hungry. I'm looking for the empty. I'm looking for the ones who are thirsty for what I bring, who are hungry for what I have to give. And if you're hungry, great, come to me. I'm going to give you to drink. I'm going to give you to eat. Right? 
he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah says, Ho, everyone who thirsteth, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost, for why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul shall delight in the, rich, in the richest affair. The first thing Jesus is looking for are the consumers who want something from him. The woman with the issue of blood was a consumer who wanted something from him. She was sick in her body, and she believed if she touched the hem of his garment, she'd be made well. And so she left her house. She pressed her way through the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment, and she received what she needed from Jesus. And Jesus stopped the procession and said, which one of y'all touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, you tripping. Everybody touched you. That's the you know, the, the NGT, the New Ghetto Translation. And Jesus said, no, 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 somebody touched me in faith. And the woman came trembling. She thought she was going to get in trouble for being a consumer. She thought she was going to get in trouble for coming to Jesus because she needed something. She thought he was going to rebuke her for coming to him because she was desperate for something and she believed that he was the only one who could give it to her, but he didn't rebuke her for being a consumer. Instead, he commended her for being a consumer. He says, woman... Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. That was his definition of faith. Coming to him because you need something from him. Coming to him because you want something from him. And believing you can get it from him. See, the problem in the church, the first problem is not consumerism. The first problem in the church is non-consumerism. Meaning you don't believe that you can get anything from Jesus. And so you don't come to Jesus. You don't ask Jesus. You get in trouble and you ask everybody but Jesus. You fall on hard times and you, you cry out to everybody but Jesus. You ask family members from help but you, for help, but you never ask Jesus for help. The first problem in the church is that there are believers who are non-consumers. Who aren't hungry. Who aren't thirsty. Who aren't reaching for more from Jesus. And so the first thing Jesus does is he commends the consumers. That's what it means to be for him. It means to be for what he brings. It means to be willing to let go of what I got in order to receive what he's got. When he talked about the kingdom of heaven and described it as a man who found a treasure in a field but then in, in, and then buried again and in his joy went out and sold everything he had and came back and bought that field, that man was a consumer. He said, what I found in this field is so much greater than anything I had in my life. I'm willing to let go of everything in my life to obtain what I found in that field. That treasure is too great. In his joy, he, let, he sold everything he had. When you truly become a kingdom consumer, you're willing first and foremost to let go of everything that you counted dear in order to obtain something that you discovered in Christ that is more dear that is of greater value, that is more precious, that is, that is more satisfying, something more delicious than the world. I want to be a consumer, a Christian consumer, a spiritual consumer. I want to consume the things of God. The author of the book of Proverbs said to his son, eat honey, my son, for it is good. Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. You know what he was telling him? He was telling him, you've got to become a consumer of wisdom. You've got to consume it every day. 
The prophet Jeremiah said, when you gave me your words, I ate them, and they became to me the joy and delight of my soul. He said, I was a consumer. I wasn't just a hearer of your word. I was a consumer of your words. Everything that you spoke to me, I ate it up, and it went down into my innermost being, and it was delicious to me, and I delighted in it. See, the problem is that we're not consumers, and the question is, how do I become a consumer? You become a consumer by feeding on Jesus because you hunger for the things that you feed upon. And if you haven't learned to hunger for the things of God, you haven't fed on the things of God. John Piper said it years ago, if you do not hunger and thirst for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled too long at the table of the world and your soul is so stuffed with small things that there's no room for great things. The problem is that we're still consumers of the things of the world and we sit at the table of the world and just nibble, nibble. We're not eating a full meal so we think we're okay, but I'm just nibbling and nibbling and nibbling and now I've stuffed my soul with the snacks of the world. And then it's dinner time in the kingdom, and I'm not hungry because I've stuffed my soul with the snacks of the world. I've got no appetite for the feast of the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, first, you've got to be a consumer. But then he says, but there's another level. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. First, he says, if you're not for me, you're against me. Speaking salvifically. Either you're saved or you're not. Yeah. Either you're a child of God or you're not. Either you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. Period. Yeah. There's no detention, purgatory. It doesn't exist. It's not real. There's two places you go when you die. You're either with the Lord or without him. Yeah. That's it. But then Jesus says, once you got the salvific thing out of the way, the salvation, that issue is solved for you. You're with me. But now, if you don't gather with me, you scatter. If you don't gather with me, you scatter. I remember reading a story about 9-11. And there was a crew that was digging people out of the rubble. Digging people and digging people and digging people out of the rubble and rescuing people from the rubble. But the interesting thing about the story is that the people who were pulled from the rubble, if they were able, slash when they were able, came and joined the team to help dig others out of the rubble. What does that mean? It means that once I've been dug out of the rubble and my life has been saved... It's not enough for me to go home and rejoice that I've been dug, in, dug out of the rubble when, when there's still other people who are still up in the rubble. Other people are still buried. I can't just go on with my life and live as though, thank God I was dug out, hallelujah, I was dug out of the rubble. No, I've got to go back and I can't leave until every person has been dug out of the rubble. The sign of thankfulness that I was dug out of the rubble is that I joined the crew to help dig other people out of the rubble. Jesus said, it's not enough to be for me. You've got to gather with me because I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. I, the Son has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And once I find you, and once I save you, and once I deliver you, and once I bring you in, now I'm inviting you to join me in my mission. Which means that first you've got to be a consumer, but you must transcend consumerism. 
You can't be just a consumer. Because if you're just a consumer 20 years after you got saved, you are selfish. If you're just a consumer, you are ungrateful. If you are just a consumer, you have taken for granted the grace that bought you. If you're just a consumer, there was a transition point where the disciples transitioned becoming from being mere consumers of the things of Jesus, where they just sat and listened to him talk all day, and then followed him and watched him work miracles all day, and then sat and listened to him talk all day, and then followed him and watched him work miracles all day. But there was a transition point and the transition point was when he left. Wow. He ascended into heaven. And when he left, they were so mad. Yeah. How are you going to leave us like that? He said, if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. It's expedient for you that I go. Yeah. They didn't understand what he was saying. They thought as consumers. Oh, well, if he leaves, then we're going to get to consume something greater. Really, his point was, as long as I'm here, you will be only consumers. But once I go and the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have to join me in my mission. That's really the point of Acts chapter 1. That's really the point of Matthew 28, 19. Go into all the world and make disciples of all people. Now you've got to gather with me. You've heard my teaching. Now you've got to gather with me. You've seen my miracles. Now you've got to gather with me. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. Oh, and by the way, I'm still with you always, even to the end of the age, meaning you don't have to stop being a consumer. Matter of fact, I'm going to feed you more. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to fill you with more. I'm going to satisfy you more, but your focus will no longer be on being personally satisfied. Now you're going to wake up every morning and you're going to eat and breathe and drink and sleep. My vision, my mission, my heart, my desire, my cry. You're going to join me. In Acts chapter 1, as he's standing before his disciples on the Mount of Olives, they say, Lord, is it now time for you to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know. They're still thinking like consumers. They're thinking of the next thing they're going to get from God, the next thing God's going to give them, the next level of blessing that God's going to take them into, the next breakthrough that God's going to give me. That's all they're thinking about is what I'm going to get. And don't get me wrong, keep thinking about the next thing you're going to get from God. Keep thinking about the next breakthrough you're going to get from God. Keep thinking about the next blessing, the next, next level of favor, the next outpouring. Keep thinking of those things. Don't let them go, but you've got to think beyond that. He says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father's put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Now you're going to gather with me. Now you're going to gather with me. I pulled you out of the rubble, now I'm sending you to pull others out of the rubble. I rescued you from certain death. Now I'm going to send you to rescue others from certain death. Now you're going to gather with me. And if you refuse to gather with me, you're scattering abroad. You cannot be passive about my mission any more than you can be passive about my person. You cannot be passive about my mission any more than you can be passive about my person. 
See, one of the greatest lies to ever, ever infiltrate the heart and mind of the church is the idea that it's the job of the pastors and evangelists and missionaries to reach people for Jesus. Everyone else is just a consumer. In fact, it's precisely the opposite. Precisely the opposite. You ever read the book of Ephesians? Right around chapter 4, somewhere in the middle there where he says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what's the, the, what is the job of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Do you hear that? To equip the saints. He gave evangelists not to do all the evangelizing, but to equip the saints to evangelize. He gave pastors not to do all the pastoring, but to equip the saints to pastor. He gave teachers not to do all the teaching, but to equip the saints to teach. He gave prophets not to do all the prophesying, but to equip the saints to prophesy. He sets those graces in the house so that the average believer would have access to all of those graces. But in the mind of the church, the prophets prophesy, the teachers teach, the pastors pastor, the evangelists evangelize. Wrong! It's your ministry. It's the ministry of the body. It's the ministry of the average person in the body at the very back. Even the weakest believer in the house has access to all of these graces of the Holy Spirit. And the enemy would lie to you and disqualify you from your ministry and tell you you're too weak and you're too unspiritual and you've messed up too many times and you've got too much sin in your life and you don't know enough of the Bible and and you're not in the spirit enough and you're not spiritual enough and you don't, that's all lies. Jesus says, if you love me, then feed my sheep. Do you love me, Simon, son of John? Lovest thou me? Then feed my sheep. And in that passage of scripture, after Jesus had been crucified, John went back to his consumerist life. He said, I'm going fishing, quote unquote, fishing for me. I'm going back to being a consumer. I'm going to catch some fish for me. And Jesus meets him on the shore and points at the fish and says, do you love me more than these? More than these fish? More than your consumerist life? More than what you can get from me? Well, if you love me, then feed my sheep, Simon, son of John. Join me in my mission. Join me in my mission. What did he tell him in the very beginning when he called him on that same shore of the Sea of Galilee? He started and ended his conversation with Peter in the same way. When he first called him, what did he say? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The day is going to come when you'll no longer fish for yourself. The day is going to come when you're no longer going to live for what you can get for yourself. The day is going to come when you're going to think higher than what you can receive and what you can get and what you can take. You're going to be a fisher of men. You're still going to cast out the net, but you're casting it out for souls. You're reaching for souls. You're going to live to reach people for Jesus. The day is going to come when you are no longer 
no longer satisfied to go to church by yourself. But all week long, your heart's going to burn and say, who can I bring to the house of God today? Who can I call and invite to the house of God today? And so Jesus says to his disciples there in Acts chapter, chapter 1, first he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. You're going to be baptized. Remember, remember the first thing John said about me? Go back to the ministry of John the Baptist. What did he say? He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But one is coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to unlatch. He's greater than me. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus says, remember that promise? That's about to happen. But don't leave Jerusalem until it does. You go wait for the promise of the Father to come. But when the promise comes, you're not just going to be consumers. You're going to be consumed. You're not just going to be consumers. You're going to be consumed consumers. Consumed. Consumed consumed instead of living to eat the things of the spirit the things of the spirit are going to eat you instead of living to consume the things of God the things of God are going to consume you you just watch the Holy Spirit's going to swallow you up and and what happens when the Holy Spirit swallows you up is the question of your own needs and your own desires is answered It's no longer about me anymore. And then he ascends into heaven before their very eyes. The last thing he says to them is, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you. Don't worry. I haven't abandoned you. One of the signs that God is facilitating the transition for you from consumer to gatherer is that his presence lifts. All of the sudden, you know, when you first got saved, you just opened up your Bible to a random scripture and it was exactly what you needed. You just close your eyes. It's exactly what I was praying, exactly what I was asking God. You get on your knees to pray and you just felt liquid love flowing from heaven. Hallelujah. And you thought it was going to be like that for the rest of your life. And then you woke up one morning and you tried your trick. And it was like, (laughs) you open it up to Leviticus, (laughs) you know, Deuteronomy 23, 12. It was like, oh, Lord, what are you? (laughs) And you got on your knees to pray. And there was no flow. And you thought God left you. Just like the disciples standing there on the Mount of Olives and Jesus ascends into heaven and they thought he left them. They were so used to his presence manifesting to them in a particular way. And they were so used to thinking of themselves primarily as consumers. That when they stopped getting what they loved to get the way they loved to get it, they felt abandoned by God. But in hindsight, that was God's invitation. 
you're now being promoted. I'm taking you to a higher place because now you're not simply going to live to receive from me, but now you're going to join me in my mission and you're going to gather with me. And they went into the upper room and they spent 10 days waiting. And on the 10th day, the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came and filled them, the transition was complete. They were consumed. And now, they were con now that they were consumed, they were gatherers. Immediately. Immediately. Let me say something. Some of you have been consumed for about 40 years. But you feel dry because you still haven't gathered nobody. And all you're asking God to do is consume you again, but you still have no intention. And I know the first thing, you know, when we start talking this way, the first thing believers say is stuff like, well, if we're going to reach people for Jesus, we need more training. I don't know how to reach people for Jesus. You've got to teach me. Give me a class. I need training. Which means that you think of reaching people for Jesus as an intellectual exercise. But there's two things you can do that you don't need any training for. Number one, let the Lord lay a soul on your heart and pray for them. You need training to do that? You don't need no training for that. Just to think of all of your friends and family members who don't know Jesus and pick one and pray for them every day. I mean pray fervently for them. Pray passionately for them. Pray for them like they were stuck in the rubble. And if they don't get some oxygen soon, they're going to die down there. Pray for them like it was your brother or your mother or your sister or your son or your daughter. We used to sing this song when I was in church growing up. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I ever do my part to lead that soul to thee. Yeah. Do you know that some of the most dramatic salvations have been facilitated through people who had zero training? Yeah. All they had was a passionate longing to see, listen, all the training in the world will, is no substitute for a passionate longing to see people come to Jesus. Yeah. All you need is a desire. That's all you need as a desire. Can I say something to you? The future of this church is dependent upon you. Whether or not you embrace that desire and begin to pray for souls, get a burden for souls, if you embrace that as a calling from God, as your identity as a believer, then the future of this church is secure. But if you don't, there is no future to this church. Can you imagine a generation? What if a Lathius generation had zero children? Wow. That would be the end of the world. Yeah. If no more children are born, there's no future to that thing. Yeah. We are destined to become a, a museum, a religious museum, if we do not become reproducers. Y'all yeah, yeah, yeah. need to have some kids <laughs> for Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? 
It is not okay to be a believer who has never led anybody to Jesus. Why is that normal to us? Why is that normal to us? We got to wake up, church. We got to wake up. Familiarity breeds contempt. And we become so familiar with what God, with what God does here in this place that we almost despise it. It's like, I'm okay just getting it just for me. And I'm okay not getting it sometimes. I'm okay sometimes just coming to church and not even coming in, just hanging out in the fellowship hall talking to people. I'm okay. You know, if, when I wake up in the morning, I just see how I feel. Do I feel like going? Eh, not today. I think I'm just going to lay in bed and turn on the online service, which is not for you. It's for people who live so far away they can't come here. It's not for your lazy, it's not, it's not an instrument of your spiritual laziness. It's for you if you have a business trip with your job and you can't come, or you're sick and you can't come. You gotta tell you, it's, it's for that, but it's not, and it's for if you live in a different place, it's not for you living down the street, but don't feel like getting out of bed. Come on, somebody. I'm on a mission right now. The Lord gave me my marching orders a year and four months ago. Set your eyes on the harvest and call the whole church to the ministry. Set your eyes on the harvest and call the whole church to the ministry. Folks, you are either going to join the ministry or the future of this church is death. But I expect greater things. I expect greater things. I expect greater things. Because I know God is stirring your heart. Because he's stirring my heart. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. And love that soul through me. And may I ever do my part to lead that soul to thee. We're doing a campaign that starts on March 5th. It's called Connect Four. It's just for our people. And if you're here today and it's your first time and you decide that you're our people, you're our people. And this is the Connect Four campaign. Pray between now and March 5th and let God lay four people on your heart, your own friends, your own family members who don't know Jesus. And your goal is to, is to invite and bring those four people to church between March 5th and April 9th. You've got six weeks to bring four people. Six weeks to bring four people. I'm doing it too. My wife's doing it too. And I'm going to challenge my daughter to do it too. I want the youth to do it. I want the children to do it. Why? You know, everywhere I go around the world, everybody I meet, in the back of my mind, in the back of my head, every conversation, Lord, somehow turn this conversation towards you. Somehow turn this conversation towards you. Because I'm on a mission wherever I go. I'm on a mission wherever I go. 
When I'm on the treadmill and somebody comes and gets on the treadmill next to me, I start praying for that person. Lord, somehow open their heart to the gospel. I might have a small part to pray, to, to play in reaching for somebody for Jesus. But this is the key. You want training? Pray. Prayer is your training. Because only God can orchestrate it. Only God can orchestrate it. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Pray. I had an experience one time when we were living in Emeryville. We were living in this apartment complex. And I walked through to get some ice through the the, um, community room. And I saw this young lady talking to her friend. And as I walked through, I prayed in my heart, just silently, Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with her. As I came back from getting ice, she stopped me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just minding my own business. I don't know. <laughs> you know what, I mean? I said, what are you doing? That's the first thing they say. She goes, well, me and my husband invited some people to dinner tonight, but they're not coming. Uh, would you, they, they canceled on us. We got all this food. Would you and your wife like to come join us for dinner? It's like, yes. <laughs> Within three weeks, she was in the church with her hands lifted up with her family and tears were streaming down her face, she received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. But you know what, though? The crazy thing is there's nothing you could have done to train me to do that because I didn't do it. All I did was say a prayer. That's all I did was say a prayer, and God answered that prayer. Isn't it crazy that God answers prayers? Isn't that crazy? That he actually hears your prayers and he answers them? You need to be praying for every person you know who does not know Jesus. You need to be praying day and night. You need to set your face like a flint to pray for the lost. Because God hears and God answers. We're not only going to be for him, we're going to gather with him. I have decided to follow Jesus. Following him means you're going to gather with him. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would just fall afresh on every soul. And I pray that everybody in this house and everybody watching online would join the ministry. Thank you that joining the ministry does not require me to quit my secular job because your secular job needs ministers does not require you to come work for the church. We don't, need, we don't need no more folks working for the church. Can't afford it. But joining the ministry simply means that because I love Jesus, I love who Jesus loves. Because I love Jesus, I love not only what he's done for me, but I love his mission. Because without his mission, he wouldn't have done it for me. I want to show him how much I love him by joining him in his mission. And if I have that desire to join him in his mission, his Holy Spirit is going to consume me. All of my desires, he won't forget me. I don't have to stop being a consumer. I can still be hungry. There's so much more that he has to give me. But I'm no longer going to live to receive those things. I'm going to live to see somebody get pulled out of the rubble. That's what's going to 
burden my heart at night and keep me up and wake me up in the middle of the night. That's what's going to wake me up in the morning is to see somebody get pulled out of the rubble. To see somebody get pulled out of the rubble. To see somebody get pulled out of the rubble. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that our church would be a life-saving station, not a Christian club. A life-saving station, not a Christian clique or a collection of Christian cliques. A life-saving station that we would be a lighthouse. Let the lower lights be burning. Send the gleam across the way. Some poor, fainting, struggling seamen you may rescue, you may save. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, but no one takes a light and hides it under a bowl. Instead, you put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Father, I pray that we would embrace the mission of Jesus as a mindset. And I silence the lie of the enemy that speaks to your people and says you're not qualified. But I thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have qualified every one of us. Those who are near and those who are far. Those who are live and those who are online. You are qualified to join Jesus in his mission. And I want to acknowledge that many of you online are not spiritually lazy. You're exactly where you need to be in the online campus. It's for you. It's exactly where you need to be. And we're thankful for you. The online campus is a campus. But those of you who are spiritually lazy, you know who you are. And that's all I'll say about that. Strengthen your people today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Just, we just need to sit here just for a second. locking into souls right now. Locking into hearts and minds. Ali, the Lord says that you are destined for the salvation of many. That you already are a lighthouse. He made you a lighthouse, but I see him just gradually and progressively opening. It's like uh, shutters around the light and he's just opening it up little by little, little by little, little by little little by little, and more and more light, more and more light. And I see that your light is shining further and further into the distance. And people are going to see your light to the ends of the earth. Like in different parts of the world, in different countries, they're going to see your light. They're going to see your light. And the Lord's going to put you in places and cause you to be seen. Because he knows that the desire of your heart is for the light of Jesus to be seen in you. And the Lord also wants you to know that people are going to get saved that you don't even know about because of your witness. That many of the testimonies you'll never hear. Many of the testimonies you'll never hear. But he wants you to know that you're a light. You're a light. Rick, what a great gatherer you are for Jesus. 
great gatherer you are for the Lord. And I just see the Lord standing beside you and smiling. That's all. It's just his way of saying, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. Rebecca, the Lord would have you to know that he has no controversy with you. And the controversy in your heart, he's settling it for good. He's settling it for good. And he also wants you to know that he's heard your cry, the deepest cry, the secret cry. And his answer is yes. The Lord wanted me to tell you today that you have what you have requested from him. You have it. So Father, I just speak peace to Rebecca's mind and heart. And I say your warfare is over. Your warfare is over. Peace. Peace. Wendy, I see the Lord giving you the wings of the morning. And I see your wings opening, but you don't go anywhere. And then time goes by and your wings open again, but you don't go anywhere. And then your wings open again and you don't go anywhere, but all of a sudden your wings opened and the wind came and lifted you up. And I just hear the Lord saying, keep opening your wings because the wind is coming. Keep opening your wings because the wind is coming. And it's gonna carry you exactly precisely and set you in the place that God has destined you for and you have sensed that place and God says don't be afraid and don't doubt don't be afraid and don't doubt <clears throat> Father I just thank you this morning I just speak your blessing over everyone in this house this morning in Jesus' name. Corinne, you're a woman of faith. God's given you great faith. There have been times in your life when you've taken a step of faith and then stepped back. But the Lord says in the days to come, you're going to step and you're going to take multiple steps. Nothing will ever hinder you again. I just speak the blessing of the Lord over all of you. James, you sit in the back, but you're a mighty man of God. And the beautiful thing about it is you've got a genuine spirit of humility never allowed yourself to become large in your own eyes, but you've kept your heart humble before the Lord, even though the Lord has spoken great things to you. You've never desired the platform. You never desired to be put on display. You've been content to be in the secret place and to be hidden. But the Lord says, the day will come when he will cause you to be seen. 
Don't be afraid of it. Because he's going to protect you in that day. Father, I just love you with all of my heart this morning. I love you with all of my heart, Jesus. With all of my soul. With all of my strength. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you, Lord. Even those of you who are watching online, I just speak the blessing of the Lord to you today. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. And may his favor be your shield. I speak blessing and encouragement over every soul today. Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Stand with me. I have one last thing to say to you. James, I was talking to you. I'm so used to seeing you over there. I was looking over there, but you're... My ministry just ended. Now yours begins. That's what the end of the Sunday service is. It's the beginning of your ministry. Now go out and minister. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.